Welcome to the She Finds Joy podcast, where I teach you how to step into the arena of bigness, all the while creating more joy along the way. That's right. We are capable of reclaiming our power, our purpose, our boldness and bravery, and putting our bigness into the world. I'm Kim Strobel, your truth-telling, real-talk happiness coach, who believes in giving you the tools to create a life you really love. After all, when we're playing in our arenas of bigness, life gets better as we get bolder. So buckle up for the no BS, zero fluff advice that gives you the small steps for big joy. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the She Finds Joy podcast. I want to thank you for pushing play today. And before we get started, I just want to remind you, I know you heard the little intro commercial, but I want to remind you that one of the things that's really, really helpful to me is if you can go into your podcast app and leave us a review. That just kind of helps us circulate and get the word out and help others find us. So thanks for being here with us today. I am really excited to introduce you to our guest today. Her name is Amanda Phoebe, and she is a force of nature for women who are experiencing menopause hell and want to start feeling healthy and fit in their 40s and beyond. With over 20 years of experience in the fitness industry, Amanda is a highly regarded expert on women's fitness and health. A popular guest on podcasts and online summits, she brings a refreshing humor and no-nonsense approach, y'all know I love that, uh, to subjects usually shrouded in shame. I am so excited to have her on today's podcast. And first and foremost, I know she hears this a million times, but like, you're just going to love listening to her voice because she's from England. (laughs) Welcome, Amanda. I can literally say anything and people buy it. You know, it's like, I know. <laughs> it gives me like an extra step up the ladder and it never worked in the UK, especially because I'm from the north of England. And I, I think that, you know, there was always the perception that the northerners were more common. Um, and I remember my dad saying to me when I was young, you're going to have to like refine your accent a little bit because he was from the south. And I was like, well, screw you. I'm never going to refine my accent now. And then coming over here, like every time I speak, people go, oh my God, say that again. Yeah, it's just beautiful. It's just so (laughs) soothing. I have a couple of friends from England, one of which who lived in the Midwest for about 10 years. And so you're just kind of making me a little nostalgic just hearing, (sighs) hearing your voice. So the way that I found you, Amanda, is actually through my good friend, Alex Ellis's Body Nerd Show. And I was listening to Alex's episodes and you were talking about this idea of thriving during menopause and you were giving like the best tips for strength training and you were talking about hormones. And so I was like, I I really just loved your rawness and your realness. And so then I jumped over to your podcast and uh, was listening to different episodes. Uh, I especially like the one with Courtney Townley because she was talking about grit and, and grace and, um, you know, how, how we can show compassion to ourselves and kindness, but also, you know, show up and kind of do the work that we need to do. So that's for all our audience members. That's how I found you. But I want you to kind of just do your own little intro and, and tell us who you are and what you do. 
That's great. Yeah, I didn't realize that because I didn't record my podcast now for 18 months, two years, but it still gets a valuable number of hits because the content is evergreen. And it's actually why I keep it up there, because I've had some people that know a lot more about stuff than I do. And, you know, we have to be continually learning. I mean, it's part of the showing up thing that you've just said, right? You can't show up unless you're uh, willing to evolve. That's how I feel about, about everything. And so I've been a fitness trainer since my early 20s, so it's decades now. Like I just turned 50 this year, so like nearly 30 years. Yeah, I know. Wow. I'm going for colonoscopy on Friday, so yay for being 50. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my God. And so, um, so being in the fitness industry um, is one of those worlds where sometimes I feel a little bit jaded being in it because there's lots of gimmicks and lots of false information out there in the wellness industry in general. But I've sort of always forged my own path and followed people that I really um, respect in the industry. And then I've done certifications from organizations that I feel are, are true to the science and to you know what we know to work. And so I feel that when people follow me, they follow me because I come from a real genuine place. I'm not afraid to say that things have gone wrong for me. I'm not afraid to say I've made mistakes, but I always say, you know, what I believe to be true right now. And so when I came into my 40s, I think around about 42, I was like, we were talking just prior to the show, you were saying, you know, you run 30 miles a week and you feel amazing, you feel youthful. Well, that was me going in my 40s. I was like, poster girl for the 40 year old. You know, I feel good and healthy and strong. And, and I actually just was completely content. You know, that I wouldn't change much in my life. I was so content. And then by the time I came to 42, I started to feel unwell. And then for two years, I struggled with vertigo, nausea. Um, and it turned out that that was from migraines. And then I also had depression. And these are things I'd never experienced before. And I spent those two years having multiple numbers of tests, seeing specialists, doctors who genuinely wanted to help me, but never got to like the root cause of what was going on. And I literally thought I was losing my mind. In those two years, I was like, I don't feel well, I can barely function. My quality really? of life has disappeared. My relationship with my husband and my children, my friends is all being impacted. I wasn't showing up because I couldn't. Like I was in this really low place in my life and it was scary, frustrating, isolating. And the reason it was that bad was because not just from the symptomatic side and even just the mental health aspect, I wasn't getting any answers. I wasn't actually being informed by any of my medical team of which there was, I think, six specialists. What the hell was going on? In fact, they just kept saying, we can see you're not well, but we don't know why. Um, and then I went to my annual gynecology, um, you know, annual checkup. And he straight away said, you don't look okay. Are you okay? Bring on the waterworks. Because, of course, I started crying because somebody actually cared and wanted to listen. And cut a long story short, he basically said, these are symptoms of perimenopause. They're valid. These are not, I see these every day in my workplace. Um, you're not alone. I can help you. And the first thing I said was, well, what's perimenopause? Like, I've never heard of this word before. Like, in going back eight years, I hadn't heard the word before. And so that took me down this perimenopause rabbit hole, 
menopause rabbit hole. Um, and I started talking about it from a fitness and wellness perspective, not from like a clinical medical side, but from, you know, this is me, N equals one, I'm doing this experiment, like, does anybody else feel the same way? And I just got flooded with um, women saying, I feel the same way, and I need help, and what can I do? And so I created a community on Facebook and, and a podcast and I've just released my book in October. You know, so I have um, all of these like different resources now and the pure purpose of doing all of this was to create a community space to help women feel validated and less isolated and then to give them the education to be able to make choice because in those two years, if I had had the information, I don't think I would have felt quite as desperate. If I could have said, this is perimenopause and there are active things you can do to feel better, I would have done them, right? Like yes. most of us would. Yes. You know, that's, it's, it's the unknown, right? It's when like our brain can't logically attach any kind of reason to why we're experiencing these symptoms. You know, I am somebody who has suffered throughout my life from panic disorder. And I said like the, the, the thing that's scary about panic attacks is that, you know, it's not as if a car has almost ran me over or someone has a knife to my throat. It's that I have those feelings and then I'm just sitting in my home or I'm walking through the grocery store. And so since my brain can't attach a logical reason to it, then I start to become desperate and think I'm crazy. And so it sounds like you, you just could not attach all of these feelings and symptoms to anything other than I must be losing my mind. Well, I mean, in the fitness world, especially, it's, ne it's never spoken about ever. In fact, the opposite, it's you hear these old men who seem to run the fitness world saying, well, what women just need as they get older, just to keep doing the same thing. There's no difference, no physiological differences. And I'm like, screw you, there completely is. And you're missing a big part of the puzzle. So, um, yeah, I mean, the fact that we have to actively dig, dig, dig to find any basic information that's not one from the pseudoscience world because the alternative health world have run with this and they're giving information to women that's really just not valid. It's confusing and it leaves women going, well, what am I supposed to do? How can I balance my hormones? Well, listen, you just need to know what's happening. You need to find a medical specialist. You need to have a good grasp of what is happening in these years leading through perimenopause to postmenopause so that you can actually make choices that are relevant and, and you know, act, active for you instead of like having to dig, dig, dig deep all the time. And then, you know, a lot of women like you who had pre were predisposed to like panic attacks, anxiety and depression find that those symptoms just increase in perimenopause and I've only had two anxiety attacks and literally thought I was dying luckily my oldest son who is actually on the autism spectrum who is really high functioning like hyper intelligent has been in therapy for years and he saw it and recognized it and sat me down and was made me do deep belly breaths and tried to you know he he knows cognitive behavioral therapy so like it sort of made me realize that you know Maybe I can't control the panic attacks if it's because my estrogen and progesterone are falling. Maybe that's something I actually can't control. But what I can control is the outcome of where this anxiety or panic attack is going to take me. Yes, yes, right. exactly. So I want you to take us back to the two periods, two years of a period where you were experiencing 
all of these symptoms. And I want you to get really specific with my audience. Like, you know, I know you talked a little bit about depression and you just couldn't hardly function, but give me examples. What, what did a typical day look and feel like to you back then? Yeah, it was awful. And, um, you know, so prior to me feeling unwell, I just started my fitness business, right? I, I've done it for decades, but I got to the t- point in time where, you know, mums at the school were like saying, please train me, please start a class. And I had like 70 clients by this time. So I'd only been going a year with my bit and chips business. Mm-hmm. And, and it was like-minded women were coming to me. And so I would get up in the morning, have a few early morning clients before the children got up. I'd go to people's houses for personal training. Then I would have two back-to-back group, small group training classes. And then afterwards, we were a very social group. We'd go for coffee in the place. It was in this beautiful old building with a coffee shop. So we'd spend like an hour and a half talking afterwards. And then I'd do afternoon clients, pick the kids up from school, make dinner. You know, I had one of those like typical work lives where I worked for myself and I juggled lots of balls in the air and I had a husband to have a husband I should say I haven't got rid of him yeah you still have him you haven't gotten rid of him he's downstairs yeah I have a husband who um is an executive in a bank and he works really long hours and so I just can't expect him to be as hands-on as as he would like to be you know so the dinner was down to making me and with me and my young children like I would stop working just to, you know, spend a couple of hours with them and then work again on an evening, writing articles and, you know, planning programs for my clients. And so I had a good, like I said, I was content, I was happy. And then I went, I actually remember the day that happened, I went to a boxing class because I used to do martial arts as a kid. I was a black belt in karate and I just like hitting things. It just Mm -hmm. makes me feel good. So I went to this boxing class and it was brilliant. And I went home and I was like, gosh, I just don't feel right. I don't feel well. So I thought, I wonder if I've picked up a bug. I wonder if I've just pushed too hard. You know, those times when you push too hard and you just feel a bit like exhausted, but you can't work out why. So I went to bed. Then I, when I woke up ready to get the kids from school, the room was spinning and I tried to get out of bed and I fell over and I kept falling over so and and then I got a wave of nausea so I crawled on my hands and knees to the bathroom and puked my guts up and then I and then over the next couple of days I started losing feeling in my face feeling down one side of my body and I literally could barely function someone had to pick the kids up from school I cancelled my clients and I was just like what the hell's going on maybe it's a virus maybe it's just I've done too much I've got a virus or something and 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 it eventually cleared up but then it happened again and then again, and again, and it just wouldn't stop. And it was one of those things that had no, I, I'm really good at logging, and I record everything, right? So I thought, I'm going to write this down just to see if there's a pattern. There was no pattern. I couldn't even say, like, oh, this is happening, like, three times a month. It was just happening randomly. And I remember flying to New York to do a certification for this um, Ultimate Sandbag. It's one, I'm a master trainer for them. And it was a two-day course and it was super intense. And I met a friend there who I'm still really good friends with. She's reading the book and she said, I remember when you came to this course and you said you felt sick and you kept running to the toilet to throw up and you were falling over. And they were doing fitness tests in this thing. And it was just miserable. I was on the verge of tears the whole time. And then um, the depression that came about and I didn't actually know I was depressed. And I think when you've never been depressed and it happens, you don't know. Are you, am I right with that? Like, let's talk a little bit about that. So, so, because I, I think that that might be true, like that, that women don't, 
realize they're depressed? Why do you think that is, or what, what does that look like? Or what are, what, what are the symptoms you think to be on the lookout for? It's really hard. And it's even really hard now if I get those slumps. You yes. know, like so, so like, so we all get blue, right? And we can get de- depressed. It's a feeling, right? But depression isn't just a feeling. And I think that that was the difference, right? It wasn't just like that I didn't feel fine or I didn't feel happy. I had no energy. I had like a chronic fatigue that I couldn't lift. I, could, I wanted to sleep all the time. I lost my appetite. I lost loads of weight. I couldn't connect on a on a social level. I couldn't have, I actually avoided going even to like the local book club. If it was two doors down from my house, a neighborhood book club, I would make excuses because I couldn't bear the idea of like one somebody, me saying somebody some, something in the um, book club and then nobody listening and then feeling rejected because that was yes. something I'd started to feel as well. I had no self-esteem. I felt as though that when I was saying things, it, it didn't matter anymore. It was lots of things connected. It wasn't just that I felt blue. I just felt as though a whole part of me had been removed. And then I was now stuck in this personality that I didn't recognize. And I didn't think I was ever going to move out from. I thought, maybe yes, this is, maybe it feels, this it feels hopeless, doesn't it? Like I've always yes. said, I, yes. I don't oh, think that I've ever like suffered from depression. I have had, I've suffered from situational depression as a result of like my panic attacks. But, you know, I was going for my um, gynecology appointment this last month and I pulled up to the hospital and I actually had remembered that I think it was like five years before that I was working as a curriculum director because I I'm a former school teacher. So I was working as a curriculum director and I had this fantastic job and everything was fine at home. Like there was, there was nothing going on really big in my life. And I started having like, I don't even know how to explain it other than like, I just wanted to be home. I didn't want to be anywhere else. I just wanted to be home. So like when the work week would be over and then Friday night would come, I was like, Oh, it's finally the weekend. I can just be home. But then on Saturday morning, I would wake up and I would start feeling anxious about having to go back to work on Monday morning. And I would get in my car and I would drive to work on Monday morning. And I just, I, I, I couldn't explain it. Like I, I just, I, I, I cried and I didn't know why I was crying. I didn't know why I didn't want to go to work. I didn't know why I just wanted to stay home. And I remembered when I was at my gynecology appointment a couple of weeks ago, I drove by the back side of it. And I remember pulling my car in there like five years ago and just sitting there and thinking like, I don't feel right. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm, I don't know. Am I mentally unstable? Like what is wrong with me? Because I can't, again, attach anything to how I'm feeling. I just don't want to go to work every day. I want to stay home. And I, I thought, my God, I sat in that car and just tried to talk myself into not going in those doors and being like, I don't know what's wrong with me. And, you know, I'm just giving this as another example, because you're talking about how your depression kind of manifested. And when I look back now, I think like, that must have been some type of depression. I I don't know exactly what was going on, but we know that this comes in many forms. But I also at the time was like so scared to even call it depression because like that's taboo. I don't want to think that I'm someone who suffers from depression or has ever suffered. Isn't that something? You know, it's like we have these um, 
thing, like you said, it's like, it's like this inner feeling of unworthiness if we're suffering that. Yeah. And you know, exactly the same feelings I got when the gynecologist said to me, you know, you clearly have depression and I can help you with this as well as your other symptoms. I went to meet my husband afterwards for lunch and he said, is everything okay? And I went, apparently I'm in perimenopause and that's why I've got depression and migraines. And my migraines were with aura, like um, vestibular. That's why I had all of these other sensations and no headache. And he went, oh my God, thank God. I thought you were going to leave me. And I went, well, I was actually, but I wasn't. But like, I actually was nearly at that point. And I think that, you know, I didn't know what was going on. How on earth could he know what was going on? How on earth could my children know what was going on? And so what we know about perimenopause is that depression and anxiety are some of the top symptoms that happen, right? And so the mental health aspect of perimenopause is not discussed enough. And normally women will go to the doctors and ask for help and be given antidepressants because the doctors want to treat the symptom and not the root cause, right? Where the root cause is the declining hormones and, and that's the route that the doctor should take. And that's not happening and that's another another story but you know I had this conversation with my um oldest boy who I just mentioned earlier who suffers from um anxiety which he manages but has had um depression in episodes as well and he said to me you know I I think it's really important from him from an autism spectrum disorder standpoint that we remove the stigma around mental health because, and this is at the time when I told him I had depression. This was a 14 year old kid at the time. And he went, you know, and the reason is, is because um, he said, it's like, an, it's like an invisible disability. And he says, and nobody can see it. And he said, if you had your leg chopped off and you were walking down the street with a limp, people would sympathize with you or empathize with you because they'd see that you literally had, to, you needed a crutch, <laughs> right? But you don't see it with a mental health. Um, aspect and so when I decided I was going to talk about perimenopause that was the reason I was really open about my mental health struggles because I thought I can't be ashamed of this if I have a child who has it too and I'm embarrassed that I might need antidepressants or I'm embarrassed to talk about it so and I do believe that even though we have made a lot of progress in removing the stigma there are still a lot of ableist comments out there you know that are harmful and hurtful and, um, but we have to just, it's another thing. We have to keep chipping away at the conversation. Yeah. You know, I, and I think you're right. I think that we talk about it a whole lot more, but I still think that, um, and maybe this is generations of cellular makeup that have followed us from one, you know, one generation to another, but it's like, we can talk about it, but we don't want to own it that it's happened to us or like, we still have shame around saying like, my life is just feels really shitty right now. And it just sucks. And I don't know what's wrong. And I don't have any answers. Like, we're still so afraid, I think, to acknowledge that or to present that side of ourselves to others, and we keep it hidden. And then when we hide stuff, that's when shame comes into it all. And so I love that, you know, that it's an invisible disability. And it is a disability because no one can see it. But I, I want to know, I want you to explain perimenopause because one of the things that is a little shocking to me, and I think it's just, again, a lack of knowledge, which is why I was so excited to talk to you, is this started for you at age 42. Mm. That's that- normal as well. Yeah. So um, it's really strange because right? obviously going into perimenopause, I had the misconception 
because I didn't know what it was. Obviously, when the doctor said perimenopause, I'm like, yeah, yeah, we don't know what that is, Amanda. Tell us what that is. And so I assumed, like many, that you know, you go through menopause like you go through other things in your life, and you may have hot flashes and your period stops. That's what I thought would happen. And part of me was like, I actually can't wait for that. I'm not, I'm not having any more kids. I'm sick of having a period. I can cope with being hot now and again, but it's far from that. In fact, that's such a simplified version of it. It's almost an insult to like think that way. Um, so perimenopause, we know can start in your late thirties. And actually, if I go back to the, when I had my last um, child I was 38 and I never felt good after that as far as my menstrual cycle was concerned I never had like any um, PMS or anything like that before and then I'd start getting really exhausted and then I'd have real bad histamine problems that's another um, issue with perimenopause so from late histamine like allergy and, yeah. and congestion and all of that yeah, okay lots of, lots of women start getting histamine issues and it can be awful I mean allergies are awful but I would get them if I like touched a Christmas tree I'd get like a rash running up my face and my skin would break out in these itchy rashes and anyway there's so perimenopause we know goes from it can start in the late 30s and it can last on average eight to 10 years. So some women go on for longer than that. I was about eight years for mine. Um, and it's when progesterone and estro- estrogen start to decline. Um, estrogen doesn't decline in a linear fashion. It's sort of all over the place, like whack a mole crazy. And so that's why the symptoms come and go and fluctuate and feel bad sometimes and not so bad other times, because there's no rhyme nor reason to how you're going to going to react and the some women still have periods some women stop their periods or they become irregular like this there's no one size fits all for perimenopause and women usually find that perimenopause is the worst part for them it's the most symptomatic estrogen receptors are all over the body they're in our joints they're in our gut they're they cross our blood brain barrier they protect our hearts so there's amongst other things and so women might start getting heart palpitation joint ache gut issues and um, they get brain fog think they're having like a, an episode of alzheimer's and yes you know, yeah and 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 then there's all of these mental health issues that come with them and they're di- a direct consequence of falling hormones and so um what happens is a woman will go through these things and maybe have like one symptom. Like for me, it was the, like it was vertigo and nausea. And so I got sent to an ear, nose, throat doctor and a neurologist. I didn't get sent to a gynecologist. Now, and the, one of the reasons is, is primary caregivers and GPs, I don't know what you call them over yep. here, do not get any menopause training at all in medical school. It doesn't exist. Now, gynecologists or OBGYNs, who go um, through their training have to actually select to do menopause management training and only 20% of those students do that. So even if you get a referral to a gynecologist, they might have never done any menopause training. And I've spoken to some of these doctors and they'll say, yeah, all of the focus is on pregnancy and puberty pregnancy and postpartum. It's not, we don't learn about menopause. And it's a real disservice to women that this huge there's a huge gaping ha- gap in the yes, medical that should be community. like required. I think it's yeah. There's 51 percent of the population are women. 80 percent of those will struggle with menopause symptoms, and then after this, right? So then we go through perimenopause. We reach menopause, which is 12 months without a menstrual cycle. 
Okay. You can you can no longer reproduce and you're menopausal. It's almost like a date stamp, right? Only, only you never know when it is. Yes. But you basically haven't had a period. And then for anything from that time forward, you're considered to be postmenopausal or menopausal, right? So you're menopausal until the day you die. It's not something that goes away. So you're in a state that's menopausal. And so your body now is without estrogen or a, a very low threshold, I should say, and very low thresholds of progesterone. And what we know is that these are, especially the estrogen is a protective hormone. I told you it's around the heart and the joints and the bones. Now, what we know is that women um, struggle with osteoporosis. One in two women will break a bone that are postmenopausal. And that's a direct consequence of lack of estrogen. Cardiovascular disease is our biggest killer. The estrogen protects the, the cardiovascular system. We know that Alzheimer's is a bigger problem for postmenopausal women than it is for men. Um, and so all of these things become the, the diseases that kill us are, are usually because we're, we're lacking in these hormones. And so it's super important that women know that so that they can do proactive things to help their health as they're older. You know, like yeah, this- let's. Let's talk about that. Well, first of all, yeah. I, I want to to our <laughs> audience. Who are, I know to our audience who who's who are listening to this. I think one of the most helpful things you've said is if you think you are experiencing this and you're struggling and you're not able to get any answers, see if, if your gyne- like the gynecologist has that training. And if not, perhaps find one that does. Is that a good recommendation? So it's, um, yes, definitely. And if your audience is mainly in North America, um, the, there is a North American menopause society. And if you go to menopause.org, there is a something you can select there called find a specialist or find a provider by putting in your zip code. And it'll list all of the gynecologists and doctors that have done their menopause training. Um, and hopefully you'll have like someone there who can help you. And then there are a couple of like telemedicine organizations out there now. One which I love is called Geneve, which is G-E-N-N-E-V, Geneve.com. Okay. And you, pay, you pay a fee. I don't know if it's like something like $35 a video conference with a menopause specialist who can issue a prescription that is that you can then um, usually claim via your insurance. Yeah, I'll drop those in the show notes for you all who are listening. Okay, so that's that's one of the things that they can do. But let's talk because I'm sure everybody's listening like, okay, we need to know what the hell we can do to help ourselves. Today's episode is brought to you by me and my She Finds Joy course. That's my 90-day guided journey that unleashes your happiness and helps you fully step in to your power as a woman so that you can begin to make big things happen. I know that each and every one of us is capable of stepping into the arena of bigness. We are capable of reclaiming our power, our purpose, our boldness, our bravery, and our bigness in this world. And I'm here to help you do just that. You can sign up for the wait list and be the first to know at kimstrobel.com forward slash she dash finds dash joy dash waitlist. Again, that's kimstrobel.com forward slash she dash finds dash joy dash waitlist. So like what can are like do you promote like do you think getting on hormones is the answer? Like what what are the answers here? Okay. I mean that's a big question with lots of answers. It is, so, I know. So- 
so I'll try and be succinct and I'm not very good at that because I'm a bit of a talker. But the first thing is, is if you don't feel like yourself and you're within the age range, you can probably assume that you're perimenopausal. And, and from a medical perspective, if you're over 40 and you're starting to have um, symptoms that you don't recognize as part of your regular life um, and a menopause specialist looks at you, they can do blood work that can sort of give them an idea because 40 is sort of tends to be on the younger side. But if you're over 45 and you go to a menopause specialist with your symptoms, they don't even need to do any blood work. They can diagnose you based on symptoms um, because there's an assumption that you are. Now, as far as treatment options are concerned, it really is down to you choice and what's available. Now, I, in the book, I have a whole section that's like, what oh, yes. Hit- Let's what tell them the name of the book right now, because I'll drop that too. But we I don't have a video. It's Menopocalypse. Menopocalypse. Yeah, it's like the apocalypse. Menopocalypse, how I learned to thrive through menopause and how you can too. And so for me, the number one thing you need to do is become educated because you cannot go to a doctor's appointment without knowing what the hell is going on, because they're likely not going to know what the hell is going on. And so if you feel as though your quality of life is impacted by the symptoms that you're struggling with, then the first line treatment that doctors should offer you is hormone therapy. And hormone therapy is micro doses of estrogen. And if you still have your uterus, you need to have progesterone to protect your uterus. It's if you're somebody who's ever used birth control pill, it's like 100 times less than that, like it's a super small dose. And what it can do for women is it can sort of level that hormonal playing field. And I would literally avoid anyone that says it can balance your hormones because from an endocrinology point standpoint, and I've interviewed many experts, that's not possible. The idea that you can balance hormones, which literally fluctuate every second, is a misdemeanor. But what it can do is we know estrogen is going to fall we in a fluctuating manner, we know um, progesterone is going to fall in a more linear fashion by supplementing your body with these hormones, it can just calm shit down, right? And it can make women feel almost human again, and be able to do the things that they can control, which is, you know, looking at their nutrition and their exercise and stress management, and all the things that we have a little bit more of a handle on. And so So is this a cream, though? Is this like a cream that you put on Amanda? So hormone therapy can come in lots of different applications. So I remember, I'm not a doctor, right? I've, but the, this um, chapter in my book was written with a Harvard-educated menopause specialist, right? So it isn't just my words. This is what the current medical standard is. But you need to know there are actually no prescription guidelines in the USA at all, and they probably never will be. But hormone therapy, estrogen can come in a transdermal fashion, um, which means it can be applied through the skin. And that comes in gel, creams and patches. Um, And progesterone needs to be taken orally in order for the uterus to create a lining that protects it against any sort of like uterine cancer. It can also be inserted vaginally. Right. So. You can also take oral um, estrogens. They're not, um, they're sort of maybe considered to be the older forms of HRT, but they're still valid and they still work. Um, And it really just depends on a lot of the times in the US what your insurance will cover you for, right? Now, um, one of the things I like to talk about though is regulated versus unregulated hormones. So if you're on a 
I find this such a complicated topic in the US because of the way that medical system is and the fact that people don't have insurance and they're on Medicare. Um, and so it's really important to know that there's lots of options out there. But if you're a woman who wants to have hormone therapy, the FDA have approved about 30 different types of hormone therapy that's covered by your insurance mostly. I mean, it depends on the nuances within your program. But like, for example, the one I'm on cost me $6 a month. Oh, you, it's not an expensive product, right? And I have a patch that I put on and I take an oral progesterone pill and you may need to fiddle about with different ones with your doctor until you find something that works for you. And chances are, if you have perimenopause for eight to 10 years, your dosage, dosages are going to change as your symptoms change, right? So I think you have to be flexible going into this. Now, what happened is um, the, there are lots of private clinics out there that offer unregulated um products and they market them as being like bioidentical or natural and that that's the ones that women should take so I just want to sort of like break that down a little bit so bioidentical is a marketing term that literally means that the hormones uh, mimic the ones that are within the same as your body and so the they're usually mixed up in a compound in pharmacy so they take regulated drugs they separate them and mix them with sawdust or whatever and then give you um, like this supposedly personalized hormone product now there's a couple of problems there first of all the minute that you take a regulated hormone that's fda approved and then change the variables it's no longer covered you for its safety and its efficacy and you want to be taking um drugs that uh, we know are safe right the second thing is is these are never covered by the insurance and they'll usually cost women hundreds a month hun hundreds and the bioidentical um, hormones that are offered by these um, compounding pharmacies and private clinics are derived from yams. Okay, so these, and so what happens is they go through a process in a lab where they extract um, something from the yam and they break it down through a chemical process and it, and it mimics the estrogen in your body. The FDA regulated bioidentical hormones are exactly the same thing. They're exactly the same. So why, and, and this is why I get really mad about it, because if I think that somebody is paying $500 for hormones that you can get for $6 that are regulated for efficacy and safety and gone through all the testing and even have a black box warning for you, then you need to take those and not the ones that. So are you saying, cause, cause I don't know hardly anything about this. So are you saying that all bio identical hormones are all of those made in private compounding pharmacies in your no. no. So that's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is bioidentical is a marketing term. Um, oh, okay. A marketing term that means that the hormones are almost identical to the body and they're, they're derived from yams. And so it, it, it's been marketed in the way that it's natural. But what I'm saying to you is you don't need to go to a private clinic to get the unregulated version of those. You can yes. get the exact same thing regulated from a medical professional and covered on your insurance. So I'm just trying to say to me, I don't, see. don't pay out of pocket hundreds of dollars when you don't yes. need to. Right? Do they call like the, the hormones you get from your doctor? They, do they call those bioidentical? And so I think just as a, it's a, it's a super complicated field and it's a, like a navigation minefield. So over here, they do call them bioidentical, but they call them regulated bioidentical. Okay, bi okay, so we want you, the audience members, to make sure you're getting the regulated 
hormones that have been approved by the FDA. And so be very cautious when you go and down that. And I'll tell you one of the reasons why is because sometimes these compounding pharmacies will issue a progesterone and a cream version to go with the estrogen that they, and it's all in one package. And, and what they're finding is that the progesterone that's applied transdermally through the skin is not enough to protect the woman's uterus from uterine cancer. And so there's, there's been some higher risks of cancer using those. And in addition to that, women are offered pellets hormone pellets that get injected into your butt for three months. And um, they're, they're also opposing to be a high risk um, of cancer risk because the dosages are so high. And so if you're not, if you don't believe me or you're offended by anything I'm saying, one, I've done my research. I know what's out there Two, go to some of the FDA sites, go to the menopause society website and actually read what they've got to say about them. They st they're standing out against it because there's a safety issue around there. And why would you put yourself at risk? Yeah. And you have an entire chapter in your book that explains all of this. Is that yes. right? Yes, I do. Yeah. That that's really helpful too. Cause I think a lot of people who are listening are probably, this is new information for them. And so they may have a lot of questions. I, I love that you're calling that out because these are just things that we do not know. And marketers, they do, they, they, they send us down kind of this trajectory that, um, we completely kind of buy into sometimes. And, and so um, you, did, you did ask about like, <laughs> it was a really long answer and we got sidetracked. You did ask about like other things. So I'll just go like through it. So we also know that like antidepressants are usually overprescribed for menopause, but in some cases, hormone therapy might not be applicable, but not every woman, not every woman can take it and not every woman likes it or likes the way it feels. Um, there are other pharmaceutical options that have off-label benefits that anti-seizure and antidepressants that off-label benefits help with some of the symptoms. Um, and there are also some alternative therapies out there like um, ashwagandha and um, shishandra and black cohorts. And these are all like herbal um, alternatives the problem is, is an, they're, they're not highly tested. And so they might work for you, they might work, they might not work at all. Um, and they're not rigorous, rigorously tested. And so right now, there isn't a real great alternative out there. Some women might try these herbal options and feel a little bit of benefit. I mean, it's a little bit like that's, an, again, another unregulated business, the supplement business. But, um, and then so what so basically so we have the symptoms and we have the medical options that are available but then you're sort of still left with a whole lot of things that you can sort of tangibly do yourself and so there might be times where like me you were sat on the sofa for four hours a day and you don't do anything and that's fine but there's going to be moments of glimmers of light moments where you can sort of take action that are going to sort of like proactively um bulletproof you for aging and for postmenopause, right and that's sort of what I did in the book I talked about the you know what's happening and we this is what we know um and then I then I tell people in the second part of the book some strategies that they can do to sort of take hold and, and do things do things that are just going to make them feel better improve their mental health their physical health Without yeah. confusion, right? Because there's a lot of confusion out there about what you should do through menopause, yeah. right? And you give nutrition options and as well as exercise options. Is that right? 
I broke it down into four parts. I have um, a what to, um, how to eat and what to eat is one of the chapters. Okay. I ha- and so I talk about like what the body needs to, um, to function and how to nourish the body and how to recognize body um, signals and cues so that you don't overeat and um, you recognize what real hunger is. Try to move away from the like diet culture type message that's out there because we know that eating disorders peak in menopause again, like they do in mm. teenage girls. There's definitely a hormone relation. In the exercise, the second chapter is about exercise, and I talk about the benefits of daily movement, not just like strength working out, but like getting outside and walking, your mental health and you know your physical health markers. And then I have a 12-week strength training program in there because aging and menopause need us to do strength training we can talk about that if you want later and then the third part is stress management and sleep um we already talked about our mental health struggles but estrogen is intrinsically connected with other hormones in the body um two of those are insulin and cortisol and so a lot of women really struggle to get down from that like high cortisol level and feel stressed all the time and don't have coping mechanism mechanisms and and it also impacts their sleep. And so they might be doing everything else right, but if they're not sleeping and they're highly stressed all the time, they're never going to feel great. They're never going to be able to get their weight management like under control and and just like actually feel like energized, right? Yeah. And then the last chapter is how to think. And um, I call it shift happens. And I wanted to like really funnel. I thought it was <laughs> That's funny. Good. I, thought, I saw this on a roadside poster when I was driving in the car once. And I'm like, I'm going to use that because it made me laugh. But I worked with a psychologist on this one. And it literally is trying to change the narrative about aging, how we age, what it means to us and why women put themselves on the back shelf all the time when it comes to like the workplace, the family, society. And so I'd like yeah. to change that story too. Oh, I love that. I have a quote that I use all the time. That's like, you're, it's, it's, you're not selfish for putting yourself first. Like you're not. So I love that you're addressing that piece too, for women. It's self-preservation. And I think that it's not something that's woo-woo. Like when I used to hear self-care all the time, I'd, go, I'd like throw up a little bit in my mouth and go, Oh God, I hate that term. But I think if like if we consider it as something that's an essential and not something that's frivolous or like luxurious or exotic in some way. Yeah. You know, um, uh, one of my friends calls it self-loyalty. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. I like that. Yeah. But like the message for me through menopause is it's hard, right? But and, And we can do hard things. And there is a sort of light at the end of the tunnel you know things start to calm down and like menopause post-menopause and it's an opportunity if you start making these small changes that by the time you come to the stage where things are calming down a bit you've already got these good habits in place you've already got the mindset nailed and like your podcast you've said it's called she finds joy like if you're not doing stuff that fills you with joy as you're aging you're missing a big part of the puzzle it's literally the thing you should be aiming for it's oh. like should be your goal See, and I love that. And I think you're right. I think we do get these societal messages like, uh, and I don't know if this is maybe going off topic a little bit, but like one of the things that is like, a, I know it sounds silly, but it really is like a deep fear of mine is, oh, you know, well, once you hit 40, you're going to pack on the pounds and you're going to get all that belly fat. And that's just part of the aging process. And so it's like, 
I, I have fear around that. I don't, I don't want to have a lot of belly fat, but I also struggle. Like I'm great at the exercise thing, Amanda. I've got that sucker down. I mean, I, I do, I run 35, 40 miles a week. I do spin class. I do yoga. Uh, I'm going to check out your book because I would like to add the strength training in there more. I need to do a better job of that, but it's the nutrition side of things that I need to do a much better job with. Um, and I don't want to just be like, you know, oh, I'm just, you know, this is what, this is what happens when it's 40. It's just part of the life thing. You're just going to start feeling sore all the time and your body's going to hurt and you're going to have belly fat and you're not going to be able to do the things you, I can't, I hate that storyline. I hate that narrative. Well, the fact that you've already said that probably means that you're going to do stuff proactively to stop it happening. Right. But I was on Instagram the other day and I saw a post I loved and it was from somebody who said along the lines of, you know, I'm tired of hearing about women who are of people. It wasn't just women, but in our conversation, it's quite often women um, who lose belief in their athletic ability that once they're 30, 40, 50, they stop because they consider themselves over the hill. And the fact is, if you're stopping at 30 and 40, you're probably only halfway through your life and you've yeah. given up. Like, and so, you know, the showing up bit matters, right? And like that I've had conversations with women and it's like, I can't, I can't, I can't. And they're stuck in this narrative of like, of no progress. They will never ever have progress if they don't shift from that negative mindset. Yeah. And I know it's hard, right? I've been there. Like I'm now postmenopausal. I've been in the crappy, ugly part of it. And I felt desperate and I felt like I'm never going to be fit and healthy again. But there are definite ways you can make changes that can shift the way that your mind thinks. And I also think, Kim, that it's okay to hold on to a little bit of vanity. Like, I know that it's really hard for you to admit, I don't want to get a fat belly. And it's like, we don't, we're, we're not fat shaming in any way, but it's actually just that, you know, I'm quite happy the way I am. I don't want it to change. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> but, but I think it is changing a little bit because I need to do a better job with my eating habits. I know. And so there's two things you can do there. You can do things proactively to help with like the physical side of that. But then there's also the, the conversation you have as well. Is that If it does happen, how hard are you going to be on yourself? Are you going to have like this negative conversation that makes you hate yourself? No. Yes. Yes. So it's like it's that's so that's when I wrote the book, I was trying to write it in a holistic manner, meaning I want all of the bits of the jigsaw puzzle to build this really solid picture that you don't just look at exercise, you don't just look at nutrition, you also have the conversation about self worth. Yeah, it's that holistic. And I'm, I'm chuckling inside because you wouldn't know this. But Amanda, as we're talking about the whole belly thing, I reach down, this is one of the things I've noticed I've done is I reach down and I like pull my underwear up because I can't stand if my underwear falls below, like where there is a little more cushion. It feels much better if it's just encompassed, like within like the band or <laughs> so I'm just laughing because as we're talking about it, I'm be- becoming it self-conscious of it. Um, yeah. But I love your holistic approach. I definitely want to get your book. Um, we will we will put the book in the show notes, but it sounds like it's, um, you've done your, your heavily invested research. Uh, so you come from a scientific background, which I appreciate. I think we can blow fluff up people's asses all day long. Um, and I'm not into fluff. I'm into, you know, let's make sure that we're choosing to do things that we know are backed by science, but also that we can create that belief within ourselves that this does not have to be our narrative. 
Um, One of the things is that, you know, like um, nutrition science and exercise science, when it gets down to the nuts and bolts, gets a little bit confusing. People don't need to know about the ATP energy system and the Krebs cycle and things that will make their eyes roll. But what they do want is they want to know the like the why. And so I, I offer that, but I offer that in a way that's really palatable. Like I really struggled in menopause to read the heavy medical notes. I really did. And I used to have to get somebody else to read them with me because I couldn't retain it and I couldn't absorb it. So I wrote the book that I would want to have read when I was in the worst part of my perimenopause, which was something that was easy to read. Yes. And and I have this thing with books, as you can see behind me here, I am a total book lover, but I have to have, I'm going to have to get a signed copy because I have this thing that if I know the author, I then, have to tell you, I thought you were sent a copy, so I'm going to send you one after the show for sure. Well, wait a minute. No. I did have one of my podcasters send me a copy of a book. Well, I'm going to have to look and make sure because I'm a book fiend. I'm pretty, so I'll look and let you know. No, um, yeah. And you better have signed it if you did. <laughs> no, I'm quite sure I didn't because I have to send them out personally. So, but no, I'll, I'll get you a signed copy anyway. That's fine. Um, but yeah, and I think that what I, the one of the things in my whole overall message, and, and it's obviously similar to yours, is that I want to give women hope, right? I don't want them to be like, yes, you may get a fat belly. And there's actually a scientific reason for that happening. And so some belly fat isn't such a bad thing when it's too much a problem though, when it becomes a problem for your health. Um, and so, um, but if, if like, if you have an idea of what's happening and you actually understand the physiological processes of menopause, then maybe you won't be so hard on yourself when you do have yeah, to take it. Right. You know, I love that. And I, I do, I feel that just in this interview here today, I feel that you are on such a mission minded, um, you know, trajectory here with really wanting to help give women who are suffering and in the throes of this, like, you know, there, there's hope and there's light and there's things that you can do to proactively be involved in this and not just chuck it up to the doctor who said, this is what it is. And that's not working. Um, so I'm going to drop all of your social links in the show notes, but I do want you to just for the listeners to tell people where they can find, um, more information and, and connect with you. I would just tell them to head to my website, which is fitandchips.com, which is F I T N chips fit and chips.com and then they can access everything from there my social my menopause community etc yeah perfect thank you so much this conversation I feel like this needs to be like a four or five part mm. series to be honest because I know I made you rush through pieces and I I want to dig deeper on some of that but the book is going to be a super super helpful too so thank you so much for sharing your story and your vulnerability and just kind of giving us um, some hope with how we can navigate this as women. Yeah. Thank you, Kim. And thanks for having me on the show. Keep doing it. I love what you're doing. You're welcome. We did it. Thank you so much for listening in on the She Finds Joy podcast today. I'm honored to share this space with you and I hope you keep showing up as the real you in this world. As always, this conversation will be continued in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to kimstrobel.com forward slash she finds joy to connect with other joy seekers just like you.